0: This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing His love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. prayer for this morning is really uh, that God's words will be remembered in your hearts and my words will just be forgotten and um, yeah and I've got Tom on the slides so that's great <laughs> um, yeah so good morning everyone my name is Mia if I don't know you then I'd love to meet you after the service and if you're on, listening on our podcast hello to you too whenever that is that you're listening to this in the future and um, today I'm going to be speaking on the integrity of David which we'll be reading about in 1 Samuel 24. Now, before we get started, let's have a little think about integrity. Um, As a student, the word integrity immediately makes me think about academic integrity. You know, when I hand in an assignment, I have to tick a little box that says that I didn't pay anyone to do the work for me, I didn't cheat, I didn't plagiarize, and I didn't do anything that's unfair or wrong as a student. Today's we're going to be talking about spiritual integrity, which is slightly different. Um, but actually, the first worship song that we sang sums it up really nicely, the sort of integrity that we have. Um, we were singing, you and you only, first in my heart, high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. Um, yeah, having an integrity in our walk with God. So yeah, here we have a little definition of integrity. Um, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness, honesty, ethics, righteousness. Yeah, So big words. Um, but yeah, let's just think a little bit about integrity. I'm going to ask you some questions, they're rhetorical by the way, you don't need to answer. Um, but yeah, is integrity something that's overrated or do you think it's overlooked? Is integrity easy or does it require effort for us to maintain? Is integrity the the sort of thing you look for in a pastor or a dear friend or potentially a future spouse? If you answered yes to that last one, then integrity is something that we all value and something that we value in people that are close to us. Um, So could it be that if integrity matters to us and it matters that the people around us have integrity, that it might matter to God even even more so than it matters to us? Um, Having good character matters. Having a sound, moral, honest character, being sincere and authentic, that matters to us as people. I personally find it really difficult to trust someone if if they don't seem to have a lot of integrity, if their intentions don't seem to be sincere or... um, yeah, I just don't feel like I can trust them. I'm not very likely to seek out a deeper relationship with them. I think God feels the same way about us and the things that He trusts us with. Um, we see later when we read the passage that, uh, yeah, that God is 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 testing David, but um, trusts him because his integrity, um, yeah, really shows through what we're going to read later and how he submitted to God's plan for his life, and not his own plan. Um, God places a high value on integrity, and it's so, so important to him. And so if it matters to God, it should matter to us as Christians. Um, I have a couple of verses from Luke that just helped me understand what integrity looks like in a biblical sense. Here on the screen it says, If you are faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money or idols or worldly wealth." So we can see that being faithful in character and having integrity is so important to God. If we're after God's heart, then living lives that are pleasing to him and holy, that matters. It's not a matter of perfectionism or being legalistic because we know we can't earn our way into heaven. Um, But integrity is about recognizing that God's ways are greater and better than our ways. Having integrity means that we align our actions and our character with who God calls us to be as his people. As Christians, we don't pretend not to have flaws in our character that wouldn't, that wouldn't be authentic or that wouldn't be having integrity, but our character matters to God, and he over- helps us to overcome character flaws that we might have. And more importantly, he, for- he forgives us when we need a fresh start. Um, yeah, we should recognize that there can sometimes be discrepancies between what God's word says and how we're living our lives. And that can be a barrier to our integrity, and it can affect how God uses us for his kingdom. Last Sunday, we saw the catastrophic consequences of David taking the easy way out by choosing to disobey, disobey God's commands because it was inconvenient to him. This is something that Katie said really well yeah, last Sunday when she was preaching on 2 Samuel chapter 6. Yeah, and so before we read today's passage, I'm just going to give a bit of a literary context because we've been jumping back and forth in First and Second Samuel. Um, but we're following the story of David. And David is on the run from Saul. Um, and in contrast, to what we were reading last week and learned last week is that today, David's not going to take the easy way out, even though it would have been super convenient for him and it would have been convenient for Israel and the 400 men that he'd gathered along the way in the desert. But in this chapter that we're going to read today, David's integrity is put to the test. He has a chance to kill Saul at zero risk to his own life or anyone else's. He has every opportunity to end his days of being on the run and fearing for his life. So before this chapter we're reading today, David has become famous for having great victories in battle. And he's highly ranked in Saul's army. Prophecies have been made that David's going to be king over Israel, and Saul knows this. Um, Saul sees that God is with David, and that makes Saul fear David. That fear has then grown into anger, and that has grown into uh, a mission of trying to kill David because he's a threat to his throne in Saul's mind. So now David's been on the run, and he's escaped Saul several times. Um, But the people of Israel have heard this prophecy that David's going to be king. And Jonathan, who's Saul's son, but also David's brother-in-law, is David's really close friend, and even Jonathan knows that he's not going to be king, even though it's his birthright, but that God has said that David is going to be king. So now that I've done a short precursor for today's passage, let's read it. I have it here on the screen, but feel free to follow in your Bibles or on your phones. Yeah, so it's First Samuel 24. Okay. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep hens along the way. The cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave, and the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. David then crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on the Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See my, father, look, see, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you were hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you have treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul, and then Saul returned home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold." Thanks for bearing with. I know that was slightly lengthy, but I just think it's so good to hear God's word. Right. Okay. so Saul has caught word of David's whereabouts. He picks out 3,000 of Israel's best men and brings them with him to hunt down David. He happens to enter the cave where David's hiding, and he answers the call of nature. Saul doesn't realize that there's anyone else in the cave. And David's men try and convince uh, convince David yeah, that God has put Saul in the cave with them so David can kill him. The response of David's men is very human. It's valid, and understandably, they try to claim that David would be carrying out God's will if he killed Saul right here and right now. They're rationalizing the situation, and they're assuming to know what God's will is based on their circumstances. Killing Saul right now would eliminate the danger of David uh, that David was facing, and it would speed up the process of him becoming king, which, which is what God has promised, right? And um, that would have been agreeable to his men if David had followed their advice. I wonder if we're guilty of that sometimes, being guilt, uh, being quick to slap God's name on a decision that we want to make because we think the circumstances around us indicate that that's what's for the best and the most convenient. Has God promised that? our lives are going to be convenient, that they're going to be battle-free and easy? No, he hasn't. The Bible says that persecution and suffering and tribulation are part of Christian life. So taking the easy way out isn't exactly what God has prescribed. In our time on earth, we're going to face trials, and we can try and wish away bad things, um, but we can't. So um, I've taken a little quote from Lord of the Rings, if you know Gandalf. Um, He says... All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given to us. Um, yeah, so David, he creeps up and cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. David immediately feels troubled. He's conscience-stricken, as it says in verse 5. Um, his conscience is bothering him. and Now, David hasn't harmed Saul, but he's acted on Saul being in his proximity and gotten close enough to kill him. David is immediately convicted, and his integrity brings on immediate regret. His crisis of conscience is a sign of his nearness to God. The convenience of killing Saul is apparent to himself, and it's apparent to the men around him, but it would be disobedient. Because he knows God hasn't called him to kill Saul, his commandment says, thou shalt not kill, and God never contradicts himself or his word. David's heart is being tested. And he knows that he was wrong to even get close to Saul. That level of humble self-reflection and speedy course correction is a sign that David knows that he needs to be right with God. If it matters to God, it matters to David. That's what integrity looks like. No cutting corners. No pleasing his men or or pleasing himself by ridding himself of this fear that he's going to be killed by Saul. So he rebukes his men and forbids them from finishing the job. David then exits the cave, although it's pretty, it's pretty obvious to me that he could have just stayed in hiding and apologized to God, but he goes the full, the full, full lengths um, to be right with God and to show that he's faithful to God. He fears God more than he fears Saul. And because of that fear of God, he comes outside. He calls Saul and lies down on the ground, face first, completely submitted to him. He doesn't even blame Saul for pursuing him. He says, why do you listen to the men around you? He says he calls Saul the Lord's anointed, and he calls him father, um, since he's Saul's son-in-law. But he drives home the point even further that he considers himself below Saul, both physically and in Saul's authority as God's anointed. He's showing Saul respect, and he then goes on to further humble himself by saying, what am I to you, Saul, a flea, a dead dog? What kind of threat is he to Saul hiding in the desert? Um, And even when he's had the easiest and biggest chance to kill Saul, he doesn't take it. This is because he's obedient to God and he's trying to show Saul that he has no reason to kill David because David has integrity. Now David's humility and his integrity, that shifts something in Saul. Saul weeps and he recognizes David's pure intentions and his innocence. He says in verse 17 onwards, you are more righteous than I. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. And when a man, man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? Saul knows that he's David's enemy and that he's that David has just spared his life. He recognizes that David's going to be king, and he then begs David to make an oath not to wipe out his family and his descendants. That would have been the norm back then, to, to wipe out the, anyone that was related to the previous king. So there was no risk of a military coup or... Um, anyone that was going to live to try and reclaim the throne or be in opposition to the new king's rule. So David makes this oath to Saul. And we actually see him uphold this oath in 2 Samuel chapter 9. David um, makes good on this oath when, his, when Jonathan's son Mephibosheth, who's lame and is an outcast, is brought into David's temple. He gives Mephibosheth back Saul's old land and invites him to eat at his table for the rest of his life. This is a little side note, but when Mephibosheth is summoned by David in verse 8, he says something that really stood out to me. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? That was a little full circle moment for me, because when David was humbling himself to Saul, he says the exact same. What am I, a flea or a dead dog? And we see later on that this descendant of Saul, who's an outcast and a cripple, humbles himself to David in the exact same way. Back to the story. Now Saul and David, they part ways, and they both live to see another day. So what is God saying to us today as a church, as individuals, as children of God? Is it OK to cut corners with God's plan? What might bring us to speed up God's process or his plan? a moment of pride, a moment of forgetting God's word? A friend or maybe even a fellow Christian is making suggestions that seem rational based on our circumstances? Could fear of man or some sort of fear in our daily lives bring us to try and make God's plan our own? Integrity is a battle for everyone. It's a battle between our will and God's will, our pride and humility. David's life was a battle. Saul comes after David again and again. Spoiler alert, in two chapters, he tries to kill David again. Um, But if David was not living a life of submission to God, there's no way that David could have resisted the urge to act in self-defense or let his fear of Saul or maybe his pride take over and kill Saul. After all, it would have ended his life of being on the run. The integrity that we see displayed in David isn't of his own doing. We see that David wasn't perfect, but his nearness to God, his trust in him, and knowing that God would fulfill his promise in his own timing is what kept his integrity intact. An American pastor, Sam Storm, said, integrity does not mean sinless, but it does describe a person who, by God's grace, sins less. If we look at Luke, which we started off with, Being faithful in the little things and not serving two masters is what integrity is. If David hadn't been faithful to God in his story, his pride would have gotten in the way and he would probably have become king a lot quicker. He would have become a murderer, though, before he'd he'd even become a king of Israel. That would have tarnished his integrity. Integrity is not only pleasing to God because it brings about obedience, but it affects the people around us. And it's good for our hearts to be soft to God's leading. David's heart could just as easily have become hard, like Saul's. Saul had started serving himself instead of serving God. And he was tormented and acted out of fear and anger. He was no longer able to lead Israel with God's blessing. If David hadn't been faithful to God, his conscience would not have been clear. And this passage today would probably have been called something like the corruption of David, rather than the integrity of David. Integrity requires humility. Next slide, please. Integrity, yeah, requires humility, it requires patience, it requires fear of the Lord. The reverence and respect for God that we see David has, yeah, is, was much bigger than David's fear of death or his fear of Saul. Not cutting corners on the path that God has for us, having a soft heart and having God on the throne of our lives, that's what integrity looks like. Understanding that God's way is better than ours and remembering who God is and that he died to save us, our response then is gratitude and um, that results in fear, having fear of the Lord, respecting, respecting him and understanding that God has already saved us and loves us and the way we live our lives and our integrity is a response to that, um, similar to what Katie was saying last week about living a life of worship. Yeah, wanting to have a clear conscience and to be right with God and with other people, that's what integrity is. Even if it's inconvenient or it's time-consuming or a daily battle, if it matters to God, it should matter to me and it should matter to us. Yeah, and I don't know this morning whether you maybe feel that your heart resembles Saul's more than it resembles David's. If you have areas of your life where um, you've decided to take your own path or Maybe define something for your own rather than taking God's definition of it in the Bible. But integrity is what keeps us close to God. It keeps our hearts soft and it impacts people around us. We saw that Saul's response to David was based on David's integrity. Yeah, so this morning I was just, um, yeah, the details matter to God. The way we live our lives, that matter to God, not because he needs us to be perfect, but because and um, he's called us to live in the world, but not of the world. Um, and yeah, so I just invite you to reflect this morning and maybe ask the Holy Spirit, are there areas of my life where I don't have integrity? Are there areas of my life where um, I need to ask you, God, how to live my life? Um, yeah, I just invite you to bring all that to God. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sunday podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.